Pikachu. Hello, everybody, and welcome out to Pikapi Podcast. We are a Pokemon anime podcast going through every episode of the Pokemon anime series from start to finish in order as best we can. Today, we are in advanced generation, and we're going to go through the episode 72, The Bicker the Better. This is an episode I've always had uh, some mixed feelings about, so we'll see how this goes. The gang, uh, when we open the episode, is en route to Four Tree City, Ash's next gym battle location. And it looks to be a straight shot, a nice easy pass through the woods. <laughs> see how long that lasts. They're not off to a great start. They almost left without May. Since she's still packing her bags, Ash frantically runs back into the building to inform May she's now the middle child left behind at the gas station. And Ash tries to hurry her out the door, but they pass a mirror in the hallway, and May has to take a second to make sure her hair is perfect. And Ash, being in a rush, does not appreciate that. May is surprised to hear that he doesn't take much care of his appearance, checking his clothes or hair ever, I don't know why this is such a shock to her. I mean, she's traveled with Ash this long. The kid runs through bushes and plays in the dirt. Like, I'm not sure he owns a brush. The fact that he doesn't look like Pigpen from Peanuts is a miracle. We all owe his mom a lot of thank yous for even packing him, like any hygiene things. But anyway, Ash has some uh, mildly sexist thoughts about uh, why that is, why May cares about her looks and why Ash does not. And May tells him to get out of the 90s. Guys in this day and age are allowed to admit to caring about appearances or, again, basic hygiene. Ash replies that he will think about it, but let's get on the road. And on the road, Ash and May are still bickering about May's tendency to drag her heels. And I really don't like that May's playing the girl card here. But in her defense, Ash did play it first. Like, really, the fact that the writers are playing this card at all is a little surprising. Like, this battle of the sexes is more of a first season Ash and Misty type of dynamic. Luckily, they don't harp on girls versus boys long. <laughs> they can't stand each other for who they are inside. Max and Brock are stumped. Apparently, this can't be stopped by giving them each a Snickers. And then from out of the woods emerge a flamboyant couple. It is not the first Rose of Versailles reference on this show. We get a fabulous couple called Andy and Oscar. Andy is short for Andrew. That's the Japanese name, Andrew. Andrew and Oscar. I don't know what to say about that, except it's some counterbalance to the earlier gender roles, and Rose of Versailles involves a lot of cross-dressing, so I don't know what they're doing, but whatever they're doing, it's definitely deliberate. Anyway, Oscar and Andy are a couple. They're in love, and they are very good at spotting other couples in love, though this time their love radar might be a bit askew. They call Ash and May a pair of lovebirds, and they... I mean... They're not exactly right, but it is a fun ship. I see the potential. Ashton may have not really given us much to go on thus far. And there's a bit of suspect in Oscar and Andy's actions. Which might be why their love radar is off, honestly, because it's not actually about love. They don't just like battling couples in love. They like finding couples who are going through a rough patch and challenging them to a double battle while they're off their game. 
And Ash and May are speaking in unison and bickering like the best of them, so the idea still applies. Neither of them have a good focus right now for a battle, individually, let alone together. Speaking of focus, you can guess where Brock's is. Tread carefully, Brock. I've cut you a lot of slack on this show because you've thus far respected consent, but Andy is obviously happily occupied, and turning into a conscious homewrecker is a bit too forward to forgive. So, Ash and May aren't sure about all this test-your-love stuff Oscar and Andy are going on about, but they both have upcoming challenges to practice for, so they're in for a double battle. And just like that, argument dropped, enthusiasm reigns, Pokémon battles solve all of Ash's problems, and inclusion solves some of May's, so they agree to have a tag battle. Basically a double battle. The main difference is that... In a tag battle, you have four trainers and four Pokémon. Double battles is two trainers, four Pokémon, but otherwise it seems to be basically the same thing. No substitutions in this match, and... Oh, there goes Brock! Like, legit boy, can you not see her hand clasped in another's? This is not a court in which you can shoot your shot. Oscar is right there. But Brock enthusiastically volunteers to officiate the match. Honestly, Oscar and Andy should have a double battle with Brock and his delusions of grandeur, but whatever. Oscar and Andy fight with Nidoking and Nidoqueen, respectively. Ash has seen these Pokémon before, he knows they've got the ground-type weakness, and easily chooses Corphish. May does not choose so easily, she leisurely weighs through her options. Torchic, Skitty, Beautifully. Meanwhile, Ash is in the background, tearing out his hair. His patience is not on form today, and May has no patience for his impatience. Eventually, when she's good and ready, she picks Skitty, and that's not a terrible choice. Except that when May calls for assist, we get Ember, which cancels out Corfish's bubble beam, so it's not a great opening turn for these two. With May and Ash having effectively wasted their first turn, Oscar and Andy can deal some definitive damage with a pair of dynamic punches. The first time I watched this, I don't think I realized that Oscar and Andy had a scheme going on to play mind games with their opponents. I think I genuinely thought they were love enthusiasts who just happened to catch Ash and May on a bad day. Which goes to show you how gullible I am, since I was not a child when this came out, I was in college. I don't think it says much that the goal of that education was scene study, literary analysis, and storytelling. Perhaps I won't drop the name of my alma mater, but like, really, watching this episode for today's show, it was a shock to me that, oh, they have something deeper going on. I am so up on the draw, guys, really. Luckily for Ash and May, they don't give up so easily. They rally back with another bubble beam, and Skitty delivers a blizzard. A better combo than their last try. You know, if Skitty was standing beside Corfish instead of directly behind it. So Skitty's blizzard freezes Corfish into an ice block. May tries to turn that back around with assist. She's clearly hoping the random effect will give her ember again, but they get string shot. May just keeps using assist until she finally gets ember out of Skitty. It takes a minute. Andy is almost crying, so sure they're going to win. Once Corfish is burned out of its frostbite, it's more interested in getting revenge on Skitty than continuing this Pokemon battle. 
Or rather, I guess they're just transferring the Pokemon battle, shifting it to the other side of the field, as it were. May's upset, like, Ash, be a trainer and stop your Pokemon. And he's like, gotta be real, May. I'm kinda on board with Corfish. <laughs> Meanwhile, in a completely different headspace, Oscar and Andy decide to wrap this battle up. Nidoking and Nidoqueen do a joint submission attack, fueled by the power of love. It looks like it should be easy enough to dodge, but truly nothing can defeat the power of love here. Corfish and Skitty are goners. Having secured their victory and possibly reinforced their own insecurities about their own relationship, Oscar and Andy flee the scene, leaving Ash and May defeated and vehemently denying that they were ever a couple in the first place. Also feeling defeated is Team Rocket. Elsewhere in the forest, they're in a bit of a slump, like they haven't done anything rockety for a while. Not sure how long has passed since the last time they blasted off, but certainly they haven't succeeded at anything rockety for the last little while, though I was pretty impressed with their base last episode. But in the midst of their depressing discussion on how lame they've been lately, Oscar and Andy arrive, ready to challenge another couple who is very clearly not happy and to divide and conquer. They address the happy couple, and Meowth has the best question, which one of us did you ignore? A very good question. What is the ship in this love triangle? Well, Team Rocket is more interested in robbing Oscar and Andy of their Pokemon, so they don't realize they're an easy defeat. To be fair, Team Rocket was always an easy target, even without Oscar and Andy playing mind games and pitting them against each other, which is really unfortunate since technically... They have tag battles against Ash and company every other day. Like, really, Team Rocket should be a lot better at this. Meanwhile, Oscar and Andy have Needle King and Needle Queen do a hyper beam shaped like a heart. They should try contest battling. Bet they'd be good at it. Anyway, Team Rocket is defeated soundly, and Oscar and Andy can run off into the metaphorical sunset. And Ash and May, elsewhere in the forest, can blame each other for everything that's gone wrong today. So this is where my mixed feelings on the episode come in. Like, I am just a little confused by this episode, since on the one hand, Brock and a few other aspects of the script seem to be framing this whole conflict between Ash and May as men are from Mars, women are from Venus, man versus woman, a fight since the beginning of time. And yet the actual conflict Ash and May are having, as well as Team Rocket, is only the barest bit gendered in the things they're actually fighting about. There were a few comments in the beginning of girls take so long to get ready, but everything else is just May's skill level in battling, her taking her time with things, being late, or Ash being judgy, things that happened in the Pokemon battle. Ash being impatient, like these same conflicts could go down with Ash and Brock, with Jesse and Meowth. It's not particularly reliant on gender. So it's like, please pick a lane, like either we are having a battle of the sexes and all the dated baggage that comes with it, which could potentially, like if they wanted to get real progressive, like they could do some very interesting things with that. Or, like, either we're doing that or we're not. Going halfway just makes the whole episode feel weird. 
The male versus female argument actually works a bit better with Jesse and James, since even if they're not in a romantic relationship, they do have the kind of energy in their working relationship. And it's actually cute to see them bicker about, like, your side of the family and James's little smile when he's razzing Jesse. Like, this is kind of just who they are on a Tuesday. They may not be romantically involved again, but the way they tease each other and the way they interact together is very... I don't know. They're very comfortable with each other. They have a very close bond. Um, They're clearly very aware that they are a boy and a girl, even if they are not romantically attracted to each other. Honestly, who knows at this point? (laughs) But like that battle of the sexes is an argument that the two of them can pull off and have fun with and like lean into. Whereas with Ash and May, it's a little weird for them to lean into it just because they're so young but it's equally weird to only halfway lean into it because that's not anything they're actually arguing about so like i said i'm actually really on board with jesse and james arguing in this way like i said they're having fun with it and there really is only like one mention that gender is a part of it but when the gender divide bickering really ramps up with Ash and May, it just feels confusing because that wasn't what their conflict was about. But now they're all boys this and girls that. And I don't know. I just don't feel good about it. So a body meets a body coming through the rye. Team Rocket and the twerps cross paths in the forest and instantly decide they have things in common. Jesse forcefully joins forces with May James follows suit by grabbing Ash, and now they can hate the other side together. In fact, a boys versus girls tag team battle is in order. And now I'm coming back around on the episode, since I love Ash and James having scenes together, like they have a nice energy together. I think they'd really get along if they didn't have the whole Pikachu thievery going on between them, but (laughs) that, you know, causes problems. But I do think Ash and James do bring out interesting sides of the other when they're on the same side, and I think they have the potential to do more than the show typically explores. Um, Honestly, May and Jesse, less so, although, again, potential is there. Anyway, Ash and May aren't honestly super into battling each other right now. Like, they're really just along for the ride. Jesse and James are driving this bus, and they want a battle. None of the bystanders want to see this, less so when James tells Ash they're going to blow those women back to the dark ages where they belong. And Ash, in all his ten-year-old innocence, is like, yeah, I don't really know what that means, but let's do it. (laughs) Uh, Moving right past that, Ash and James do really well together. They kind of smoke May and Jesse. Until Jesse starts cheating by using uh, yet another Pokemon, a third one. I'm really not loving how one-sided the battle is when they're still framing it men versus women. Because, as I said, Jesse and May are getting smoked by Ash and James. And you never see their Pokemon get in a good hit. And then once Duskox comes out to help Jessie with her cheating, the battle is total chaos. Everyone is running around, stepping on each other, attacking trainers, friendly fire. It's the actual worst. Brock has to call the battle off with Wobbuffet's help. Wobbuffet's in training, I guess, to become the first Pokemon referee. 
As usual, Jessie doesn't allow herself to be disqualified, not without a fight. Once she has Dustox take out Brock and Wobfet, chaos manages to multiply on itself. It's a full battle royale. Everyone's attacking each other or cowering behind a rock. And Meow thinks, Pikachu's right here. For once, not attached to his trainer's hip. This only happens like once a year. So he tries to signal Jesse and James that they should really take advantage of this and get to stealing. But his two humans are busy yelling at each other and don't even notice. Like, the amount of acrobatics Meowth needs to get Jesse and James to pay attention. <laughs> it's, it's astounding. But when they finally, finally, finally stop beating each other up verbally and physically, we find out that Team Rocket's worked um, out a very impressive sign language system. Holy cow, they have no problem understanding that. And once communicated, Jesse and James are back in sync. Arguments forgotten. Priorities. They steal Pikachu in an old-fashioned butterfly net and get a head start under Survivor's haze. But then, Ash has a truly brilliant idea to stop Team Rocket in their tracks. He drops the word trouble. You know the rules. Team Rocket is obligated to stop whatever they're doing and do the motto. Can't fight destiny. It's amazing. Ash doesn't make the best use of it, since the net Pikachu's in is Thunderbolt-proofed, so it's May who steps up to save the day. Like Team Rocket, she and Ash have priorities. She has Skitty use assist. They get string shot, and Team Rocket is snagged. And it's not like there was really any doubt that May wouldn't help Ash when he really needed it or wouldn't step up to stop Pikachu from getting kidnapped, but it's still a cute little moment when Ash thanks her and she tells him any time. In return, Ash has Corfish defend Skitty from Saviper. Seems like their teamwork is improving. So, the double battle's back on and the teams are back to Ash and May and Jesse and James. And again the battle is one-sided. The twerps send Team Rocket blasting off. Skitty and Corfish are in fine form together, and once the dust clears and Pikachu is returned to Ash's arms, he apologizes for not trusting May and Skitty earlier. If he had, they might not have done so poorly against Oscar and Andy. Both of them admit that they were trying to show off and thinking about themselves, not trying to be a team, and with apologies, they make up. And thus ends the episode. I'm shocked. I totally thought they rematch Oscar and Andy and win. Like, I can almost see that rematch scene in my head, but I guess not. Very surprising. Maybe I just thought there should have been a scene. But I guess just like in life, you don't always get your poetic justice revenge. Sometimes you just gotta accept a defeat and move on, I guess. But I do feel like... Oscar and Andy could have been used a bit more. Like, I do think a third appearance of theirs, like, first of all, again, comedy comes in threes, but I feel like it would have just rounded out the episode. But more than that, I feel like this this episode just needed another pass in general. Like, it feels like it's trying to channel some very... American 90s sitcom energy where like everything was about like men are like this and women are like this husbands versus wives in a way that was very common at the time but doesn't necessarily age super well 
But at the same time, like, the constraints of doing a show about actual children and the fact that even by, you know, when this episode came out, which would have been, what, the early aughts, we were kind of starting to move out of that mentality, not just in America or in Japan, but, like, just in a global sense. Like, it, I don't know, it just feels like an episode that was written or influenced by a very old school way of thinking, but yet they couldn't quite commit to it. And they weren't quite motivated enough to try to lean into it and do a more modern spin on it. And so what we get was mud. Like, we're not really sure what they're trying to say. Accidentally kind of implied some things they probably didn't really mean to imply. And it's just really hard for me to like this episode, even though, like, I do like the idea of Ash and May getting a bit of a ship tease. I mean, obviously, they're ten. We don't need to go too hard shipping Ash with anybody, and he's also low-key platonic married to Pikachu already. Like, But it's true that Ash and May have a very special friendship, and they're very close, and they have a lot in common. And yeah, the two little 10-year-olds having a little crush on each other, like, they have the potential to be a very healthy little thing going on there. But yeah, just the way this episode kind of all went down just kind of gives me a murky sort of feeling. I, Like, I'm not really sure how I feel about it. There's a lot of potential in some of these ideas, but I'm just not sure I like this episode. If I got the chance to kind of take another pass at this script and rewrite it, I think I would have leaned into... Like, I think I would have fully committed into the boys versus girls theme to the end that by the end of the episode, Ash and May would have realized what they realized at the end of this episode, which was that it wasn't actually about boys versus girls. It was about their own insecurities and their own flaws and projecting that onto the other person and kind of lashing out at the other person instead of just talking it out, which is what I think this episode was trying to get towards anyway. Just again, the execution is a little to be desired. Anyway, that is the end of the episode, and that is it for PCAPI Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Wherever you listen to us on any of the podcasting apps out there, there are now so many where you can find our feed, PCAPI Podcast, and have those episodes downloaded directly to your device. You can also find the podcast at pcappypodcast.blogspot.com. Until next time, this is Anne signing off. This has been PCAPI Podcast. Gotta catch them all. <laughs>